and welcome into Poke the Bear episode 33. This is a Dano Chara episode. Look at the timing. The perfect. perfect timing. I was I was preparing the show and I always check. I, I never know the time. Connor, you know this from editing and Rachel Bevilacqua, who edits each episode for video, knows that it always I always forget the number of episode it is. And so today when I was writing down that in the notebook, I was going through looking back, like, oh, 31, 32, today's 33. So Zeno Char makes his return to the garden last night. We were recording this before it, so obviously we don't know what happened. Maybe he scored three goals. Maybe. Maybe he put three goals in his own net. Um, but episode 33, Evan Marinovsky, Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Now, uh, one thing we do know that will not that did not happen last night was there was no big ovation for Chara. The ovation that we all wanted him to see, wanted him to get, obviously not happening last night. But but fans returning to the Garden March 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be 12% capacity, which I believe is just over 2,000 people. It's not, uh, it's like a little over 2,000 people um, getting that. I guess the Bruins should have just moved to Texas. And then you can have everybody there for the ovation, just for one night. Everybody goes to of Texas. Course. All the Bruins fans. Take him down to Texas, boom, you get the whole rink. I guess you get scream and yell as much as you want at 100% capacity. But um, it, how excited are you? for? Do you think this is a good idea? Start with this. Do you think it's a good idea that fans are returning when they are? Uh, I mean, I think it's a sign of the times that things are slowly getting back to normal, right? Where you've got, uh, you know, more vaccines being rolled out, more people, uh, whether it's through that or herd immunity, the cases are dropping, hospitalizations and deaths are most importantly dropping quite a bit across the country. So I think it's a positive step. And it was always going to be the case, right, where you were expecting a situation where, uh, more fans would be let in the building as these cases drop. That was, I think, always the, the hope, I think, for the NHL and for every, uh, you know, pro sports team is to have more fans as the year goes on. So I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, 2,000 fans seems very fair. I imagine if cases continue to drop or, uh, you know, as more vaccines get rolled out, I'm sure that number will go up quite a bit. So by the time you get to May and June when the playoffs start, you know, we could be looking at, what 40%, 50% maybe for the garden, which I think is a victory uh, considering good. how, yeah, how, how miserable the last year has been. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to, you know, see fans back in the garden so far, you know, it'd be one thing if this was a situation where, you know, you got places like friggin' Texas or Arizona, or these places that are just going all out and going way too, way too quick. But the fact that you're also seeing, uh, you know, a team like, uh, New York where they're opening up, uh, you know, spots or Philly, I think is just, um, opening up their arenas now. So I think Boston's actually going to be one of the last ones. Cause I, I think Philly announced it, uh, just a few days ago. And I think they're letting fans back in on the, the 7th of March. So the Bruins are going to be a little bit, um, you know, behind everyone else, but again, rather be safe than sorry. I mean, I think you've got a situation where there's going to be more cases dropping by the time fans let in. So as long as it's safe, which I think you see in some of these other one, uh, other stadiums where you've got uh, people spread out quite a bit, then go for it, right? I mean, I think the the players are excited about it. Um, even when the Bruins play the Rangers and they get, you know, booed and chirped the entire time, it seems like they were just happy to have something that's not fake noise pumped into the stands, right? So uh, I, I think it's definitely a... Uh, a major step forward in terms of just things getting slowly back to normal. Again, I don't think it's going to be remotely what we're used to in terms of, you know, us covering games or fans going to the stadiums. It's not going to be the same, but as long as, you know, there's some semblance of normalcy, as long as it's safe, which seems like the God has been preparing for it quite a bit. 
then uh, I think it's nothing but good news when you just look at overall how the numbers are dropping quite a bit across the country. It's funny you mentioned the fake crowd noise, and it was uh, it was I think in the uh, Blues Sharks game where Bennington was punching everybody who's going off the ice. The the Sharks tough guy, yeah. The Sharks audio guy jacked up the fake fan noise <laughs> for when he hit Dubnik, and it was like whoa, like you could hear it was like whoa, and yeah. it was so fun to hear, uh, and it makes you miss those times. I ultimately think that because you mentioned the Bruins are going to be late, I think that it'll only be a week or two at 12%. I guarantee you after a little while, they're going to bump it up again. Cause they'll be like, okay, this is working. We can go to 30, 40% um, end of March, beginning of April. I think that's when you're going to see it ramped up. I also genuinely like my opinion on fans coming back is like, if, if people can sit in restaurants at 25% capacity and sit there without masks, like, I don't understand. I don't see what the problem is with people going into arena with a mask on completely spread out. Um, I, I just think it, 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 it makes sense. Like this should, I think this should have happened um, at 12%, maybe, you know, now or, you know, last week or something. Um, but I also think it's, I've read, I, you know, I read the garden plan and it is intelligent how, you know, you're supposed to go in a certain way. You don't pass, you know, people on the other side of the rink, you're never going to see, you're never going to pass, never come into contact with. So, that aspect of it's also uh, is good. Another thing that's also kind of cool is fans can order from their seat. Which, uh, thank God, like, in, in terms of talking about some things that should be adopted post-COVID, please, like, let that be the case. Like, I don't want to be at Fenway and be waiting in line for, like, you know, an eight eight fifty hot dog and, like, miss, like, an inning and a half. Like, that's, that's the be thing able to that, order it and then run and grab it, great. That's one of those. That's one of those things that even when COVID ends and we get back to normal life, that's one of those things where it's like, I can go. Like, I didn't miss that. Oh yeah, so I think, and, and with the Jacobs, you know, being with Delaware, you know, owning Delaware North and everything, I do think that's something that, you know, give you know, however it rolls out in this season, could be something permanent where you order food, you know, fifteen minutes later, oh, pick it up, you know, it's ready at you know station B or wherever it is, you go pick it up, bring it back mm-hmm. to your seat. That would be so much better uh, because you know you notice like it, with with Bruins games, the first five minutes of every period in normal times you know, the place is 70% capacity oh, because right. people are in the gelato line. Um, so. <laughs> I have to get that, have to get that, that 1050 gelato. Well, I always, when I used to go with my dad, uh, that was always the thing. Cause you know, he'd be like, I got to go get, go get my gelato. And it missed like the beginning of the second period every time. And I'd be like, dad, I can't do this. We're going to miss the period. So um, it, it, it is good to see fans coming back. It's going to be fun when fans do come back um, right. and stuff can go back to normal. Cause I do and- think it'll be good. Yeah, and it'll be good, especially when you got some of these big matchups, like with Chara coming back. Obviously, it's unfortunate that, you know, his first official game back as a, a Washington Capitol is not going to have the the fanfare or, you know, the applause. What, you know, I imagine that you're going to get that in April once the Capitals get back here to the Garden, which would be uh, good to see. But I'm curious as if they're going to do like a video like today or last night, if we're going to talk back on this, see if they do a video in front of like a, an empty crowd, but I'm sure they'll have something planned, but I imagine some more of the uh, theatrics will be in April when he comes back because he's obviously warranted a, uh, a huge ovation for everything he's done. And it's been a, a weird year, but it'll be, I think some, you know, catharsis if you can get even a quarter of a, a Phil TD garden, uh, giving him an ovation for all he's done for the team over the years. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can bet on there being a video last night, but I know that you can go bet over at our good friends betonline.ag. Connor, tell the people about bet online. Absolutely. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Football may be over, but the NBA is in full swings. 
And yes, Bruins hockey has returned. Even though you may not be at a game this year, yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players at play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. And it's not just sports. Bet Online even covers things like awards, TV shows, reality TV. You want to bet on the Academy Awards. I don't even know what came out this year. Sonic the Hedgehog might win Best Picture. I couldn't tell you. I don't know what's going on, but you can bet on it. Listen, Bet Online has everything to offer there. But listen, there's even more options to than anywhere else online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. No one beats that, Evan. Nobody. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's CLNS50. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Your online sportsbook experts, go there now. You mentioned the movies aspect of things. I don't know what's nominated. I'm not a huge movie guy, but be- but because my friends. Uh, I told you last, I told you on Bruins Beat this week, I'd seen Goodfellas the first time this past month. Mm-hmm. Not a huge movie guy. I'm trying to become a movie guy. Um, so I have HBO Max now. There you go. And I was going to watch, last night I was going to watch, or Tuesday night, I was going to watch uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is was up this, or I think that's up for something this year. Was, yeah, I know it's this year. That's movie. definitely not. It feels cool to be able to watch a movie that is in theaters, but watch it from your bedroom. But I was about to watch it, and then I saw Dunkirk. And I'd never seen Dunkirk. And I said, I got to see Dunkirk first just because it came before. I got to get that. Mm-hmm. It was a great movie. Dunkirk was great. Very good. I saw uh, the movie in theaters and it was like the loudest movie I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, the, it literally like every single time there was like uh, a shot went off. It was like everyone in the theater <laughs> was jumping. So it was definitely, uh, you definitely lose some of that when you're watching it from your living room or from like your laptop. But uh, it's still very cool that uh, you're able to, especially HBO Max, have got like friggin' 500 different like brand new movies every every week yeah. so and so i was watching on my monitor and uh i didn't i it was like you know one in the morning and i didn't want to wake up my whole house and it's the movie doesn't have a lot of dialogue in it it's kind of quiet no. at parts so you know you're you're up in the volume when it's slow and then a bomb goes off and it's just like whoosh, and it's so much audio so uh, i had to kind of not wake up the whole house with that one enough hbo max talk we'll get right back into uh, Bruins stuff because that unfortunately Bruins aren't on HBO Max, which is unfortunate, but uh, nevertheless the case. Uh, but uh, Wednesday night against the Capitals, uh, Krejci and Grizzlick are likely to were likely to return. Uh, again, we don't know if they actually did, but our guess is they did. Our guess is yes. they did return. Um, you texted me this before the show. Who do the Bruins need back more, Grizzlick? Or Krejci? I will let you go first. Who do they need more, back more, Grizzlick or Krejci? Well, I think if you look at maybe the the struggles over the last um, couple of games, I'm like kind of inclined to say that maybe Grizzlick's been missed more just on the defensive side of things. Um, obviously, both are key, right? I mean, both have their, their strengths, but, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I'll go with Grizzlick just because um, I think where the Bruins have struggled, especially, well, Again, no shit when they're giving up like, you know, six, seven goals as defense seven is an goals. issue there, right? Um, but I look at some, you know, other areas that need to be addressed, I think, on this team, whether it be 
uh, getting, you know, hemmed in by good forechecking teams, which you saw against the Islanders, which has been an ongoing issue with them this year. Um, I think I like Grizzly Cupsio quite a bit there based on how good he is in transition. Um, so I, I think that's a, a big plus to have him back in the lineup. And also I think the power play, it's, I don't, you know, we don't really haven't focused on it too much, but after a pretty strong start for that power play, there really hasn't been uh, any kind of sustained, you know, consistent output. You've had quite a few slumps. Um, and a lot of it Cassidy has said has been, um, some struggles up top, whether it be guys struggling to keep the puck in, whether it's, you know, getting pressured up high and whoever's up high isn't moving the puck with authority or, or quick enough. So even if, you know, Grizzly's not factoring in, he's not, you know, setting up, you know, one time as for Pasternak, I think just having a guy like him back up on the power play can help out quite a bit just in terms of keeping the puck moving, keeping, you know, stretching out the, the PK unit and drawing a guy up high and giving guys like Bergeron or, or Pasternak more time down low. Uh, so I think that's something that Grizzlick will really help impact the team in. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Grizzlick. I don't know how you feel. Again, I think both are very important. Gabe Krejci back in the line is obviously good for the Bruins. They need to get that secondary scoring going. But I think in terms of immediate fixes, I think Grizzlick kind of health permitting answers a lot of what you're what you're looking for. Mine's Grizzlick uh, for everything you said, but also the idea that, you know, I think it's interesting is, is, you know, as not great as it has gone with Coyle on the second line, I do think it is interesting to continue to see how he does as that second line center. Uh, that's something that I've kind of had my eye on a lot. Uh, and I also think Stadnika on the third line, centering that line, uh, has been very interesting. We'll get to him in a little bit uh, later in the show, but kind of seeing what you have with those two in elevated roles with Krejci out, not to say you want Krejci out by any means, but to see what right. those two are like in elevated roles. If they make no moves this offseason except losing Krejci, that's probably your second and third line centers right there. Oh, yeah. Coyle and Sadika. So I think it is interesting to see those guys in those positions. Now, from a Krejci perspective of him being more important than Grizzly coming back, you want that stability in the lineup. You want, you know, Krejci on that second power play unit. Um, you want, uh, you want, you know, maybe DeBrusque back with Krejci and things being more stable there. You want maybe Richie on his, uh, on his left or, or, right. you know, maybe you'll put Stanika up there. But obviously we'll get, again, we'll get to Stanika in a little bit with the fourth line, but th- that would be the argument from the Krejci side. But as you said, like you need to be able to break out of your own zone. The power play needs more stability at the top. Like Grizzly is more important, um, in that equation. Now let's get to Stadnika because we've been hinting at it for so long. He is going to be centering the fourth line, or he did center the fourth line against the Capitals Wednesday night. They're trying to see what they have in him centering um, a fourth line that we said on Bruins beat this past week has really not done a heck of a lot. Like the fourth line, oh, really, yeah. like we've been waiting for them to return to their 2018-19 form. Maybe it was Nola Chari. Maybe Nola Chari was the reason that, our, that, that line just went. Um, but they have not been effective really much this year. What does Stadnika do to that line that makes them more effective? Well, I think just generally it gives them a bit more of a spark and more of a, you know, maybe offensive capabilities because I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting ask for Stadnika because, you know, in an ideal team structure for what Bruce Cassidy envisions, you know, a lot of these fourth lines he has doesn't really get like the glamorous, uh, you know, workload. Usually it's a lot of D zone starts. It's usually matched up, if, especially at home against a, a, uh, an opposing top six unit. So I don't know if whether, you know, for this game, 
you know, Jackson Egan's first game at fourth line center. It's like, Hey, here's either, you know, Backstrom or Kuznetsov. Like, here, go at it. Like, uh, which very well might be the case. So, um, it's definitely a, a, a different ask for him, but at this point, you need to do something to switch up that fourth line. And if, um, you know, Stanika, he has some of the capabilities of being a guy who could be good in a simple, you know, kind of north south game. And he's a good skater. He's not afraid to bring it down to great A ice. He's like converting on them, but at least he's generating them, right? He's not, you know, you, you notice him when he's out there on the ice. So it remains to be seen if putting a guy like, you know, Corrali and Wagner next to him are going to get the most out of whatever maybe rushes or chances they're able to generate. But at this point, I think you need to switch it up and one, see, uh, you know, if you can, you know, give that fourth line a shot in the arm. And two, I think you need to keep Stanika at center because I think it's been very evident uh, just how much better he's looked down the middle. Um, again, what happens when uh, either the Bruins add another top six guy or or what have you. But, you know, it could be a situation where the fourth line sets, you know, tilting the ice back in the Bruins' favor. And it's like, all right, do we, instead of being just a overall just north-south checking line, do we make the fourth line kind of like a a skill speed line, like this has become, you know, we're used to it being these big, heavy guys. I mean, look at just, as you said, the Corrali, Achari, Wagner line, or, or the Merlot line of years past, but, you know, we're going to get to a point where the fourth line is, uh, you know, Sidnika, Bjork, and, you know, Senishin, where it's like kind of, you know, just, you know, speed. Yeah. Like speed and just getting in on the forecheck, but having the ability to, to score some goals too. Cause I think you've seen, uh, a few of these other teams when they've matched up against the Bruins fourth line, where it's fourth line against fourth line, the teams have been able to, you know, pot goals against the Bruins. So maybe it's a situation where they maybe sacrifice some of that, you know, those D zone looks just to get more secondary scoring, which, you know, we'll see how they kind of weigh that because I think ideally, I think the Bruins are happy with whatever offense they get out of that fourth line. So long as they're taking up, you know, uh, those taxing minutes against another top six, uh, group and getting, you know, more favorable eyes for Bergeron and Krejci. So we'll see how it looks. Um, I think for the immediate, might as well see what you have in them, right? I think it's good to see what Stanika could do there. And if it works out, great, because uh, I think you need, you desperately need to get Sean Crowley going because I don't think he's really found his game yet. And uh, you need to get Chris Wagner going. And if not one of those guys, then you have to try out a few other guys, whether it's, you know, Bjork or, Senechin or someone else like that. You just need to to slot someone in there. Greg McKegg, who Greg had an McKegg. eventful an eventful game on Sunday against the Rangers. Um, you got Kuhlman, you know Anton Bleed. You got guys down there. You just got to find the right mix. So if Stanika can kind of continue to play his game, play responsible, and you know give them a bit of a different look there, then you know I I think at this point it can't hurt, right? Because so far Crowley down the middle with that line just hasn't been working out so far this year. Also, this is the time to do that. Like, this right. is the perfect time of year. It's, what is it, 19, 20 games into the season? Like, this is the time that you mix around with your lines, see what you have, because as you said, Stanika's looked so good um, playing center the past few games, especially with that third line. Now, obviously, we'll be down uh, with the fourth line. Seneshin, by the way, has been having a great pro- uh, season in Providence. So that's another guy. Very who, good, yeah. You know, I think he's going to get a look uh, very, very soon up with the big club. I would not be surprised uh, to see him up there. Another thing, Wednesday night, Jared Tenorti. Will be making his uh his his big debut after after his uh 17 hour drive up from nashville which 17 hour drive oh dedication what's the, what's the longest drive you've had to do in one sitting uh that i was driving for or that i was in like the back seat for 
Uh, you could be along for the ride. You know? Okay. I was going to say, cause I, you know, I've only been, I mean, I'm 22. I, I haven't driven like for you know, so long. I would say it would probably be like the Lake Placid tournament when I was in like second or third grade. I, I remember that being a really, and I had a stomach bug too. That was a really long that's treacherous that that is like that's where like you get respect for your parents like yeah, obviously you respect your parents but years down the road you're like <laughs> before that it was nothing before that, after, no, after after that yeah no but but you realize like holy crap like parents put up with some shit uh but i i, I think that's the longest i don't think i've had one maybe like touring colleges I, I remember we went to marist but i think that was only like two and a half three hours yeah. so i think like lake placid is farther so i think it oh, was yeah. placid. placid is the farthest i think what about you that's good uh, I did uh, a few years ago. I drove from Seattle to Boston in one day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> in two hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the first day we went from uh, Seattle all the way out to Butte, Montana, and that was about ten ten ish hours. There was some traffic, so yeah, I think like if you Google mapped it, it'd be like nine thirty. But it was like closer to eleven is what it was for us. But uh, not a lot of, you know, you get past, you know, Washington, the mountains, and then it becomes like the uh, the final scene to the movie Seven. It's just like windmills and like desert. That's all it all is in eastern now, Washington. Now, when you drove that, like you obviously had hotels along, maybe like booked along the way. Or... Yes. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. And you knew that you knew you were going to stop in those places. I've never done cross country. I'm always in, so fascinated by it. I've never done it, but that's that sounds so what you went to montana and then to what what was your next stop it was the pit stops so for doing this like the amazing race it was uh washington to montana and then all the way through montana which didn't realize is a big ass state huge state huge Huge state not a lot going on in there nice but remember alvin kamara had that thing the other day like i'm moving to montana and someone was like yes don't say anything about Montana. We don't want people moving here. Well, that's that's the thing. I think like Montana and like Wyoming, it's like for most people, it's like, oh, this is there's nothing here. But if you're like super rich, you can buy like, I don't know, like a thousand acres. I don't know how much an acre is, but I, that's probably not even that much. But we'll say a thousand acres <laughs> is a lot. No you know, you buy an acre for like five bucks, then you can like live like a king out there. But, uh, but yeah, I did Montana and then Montana to South Dakota. We spent like a, two days there. Mount Rushmore, which is cool. Uh, Mount uh, S- South Dakota, all the way to Omaha, Nebraska. Not a fun city. I don't like Omaha. Nothing. Really? Nothing there? Went, went to Denny's for dinner. That was the highlight, <laughs> which isn't good. We drove by like Gerald Ford's childhood home, which wasn't cool at all. Oh, that must have um, been riveting. Yeah. Went there down to St. Louis. Sucked. St. Louis is a terrible, ter- oh. terrible city. Uh, then to Nashville, which is great. And drove up uh, to DC, DC to Boston. So wow. did about eleven. Did about like eleven days. So well, that's fun. That's, yeah, yeah. that's more exciting than my it's practice more, trip. And it's more fun than driving seventeen hours straight from Nashville to Nashville to Boston, as Jared Tenorti did. So that has to be absolutely crazy. But credit to him. That's dedication, man. That is that is, he's getting a shot. Uh, but at any rate, uh, we will wrap the show up here, Connor. Before you go, uh, is there anything? That, the, that people can look forward to over at BSJ. Yeah, we'll be breaking down, obviously, how uh, the return of Krejci grows like and how that impacted the team in this lineup. Um, I wrote about it uh, earlier today, but now that we have more guys back in the lineup, I think the spotlight's going to be focused even more on a guy like Jake DeBrusque. So we'll have a breakdown of, you know, how he's doing and just, 
you know, how key he is when he's rolling to uh, helping this team get its five and five scoring going. So all that will be over at BSJ. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan for Poke the Bear episode 33. Bruins fans have a great rest of your day. <laughs>